Hey, one quick thing before we get started. I just want to remind you that this podcast is for information, education, and entertainment. It is not a substitute for therapy or therapeutic intervention. If you find yourself in crisis, please visit your local emergency room or contact a crisis hotline. Hey everyone, it's LaShonda from Labors of Love, and you're listening to the Labors of Love podcast. Today, I'm super excited to have this conversation with my girls, Christina and Brittany of the Body Representation Series. Hello, ladies. Hi. Hi. Yes. So um, I'm going to start by asking you what I ask all my guests, and that is, what is your labor of love? Christina, you want to get us started? Sure. Um, so my name is Christina and my labor of love would be teaching people that they are allowed to take up space just as they are. Um, and you are, and don't, you're not the ugly person in the space. Like you are the attractive, um, everything you want to be and you teaching people, they are allowed to take up space. That's my labor of love. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm gonna come back to that. Yeah. But before I dive there because you <laughs> so much in in such a, a a succinct way uh Brittany what is your labor of love yeah so being in the beauty space I would definitely have to say my labor of love is kind of um rebranding what people see in the mirror um instead of seeing flaws we um I'm somebody who focuses less on rules and more on techniques you know you tell me how you want to look as a makeup artist um I don't tell you. So I love to show people kind of their best selves, the best version of them. So I kind of say my style of glam is you, but better. So that's my, my labor of love is, is getting people to that you, but better place. Okay. So Brittany, you mentioned you are a makeup artist, Christina, how does your uh, labor of love manifest in the world? Um, so I'm a photographer and so I get to work with, uh, mostly in, uh, women's spaces, uh, but women, you know, what the X, all women, anybody who identifies as a woman, um, whenever you come in for a session with me, uh, with the team, that is our goal for you to take up all the space, do all the things, never feeling ashamed of anything while you're in that space with us. And so individually, you're a photographer, Brittany, individually, you're a makeup artist, but then you have, when you say team, there is a collaboration that you all have entered into in order to kind of combine those labors of love, that your two labors of love. So talk to us a little bit about what that partnership is and what that looks like. Yeah, that's all you, ma'am. Oh. That's all 33 West right there. <laughs> um, so um, I start, I'm a photographer, like I said, and I have a company called 33 West Studios. And when I started my journey of photographer photography, um, I realized to give the type of experience I wanted to give, I couldn't do it by myself. Like my energy can only encompass so much. And I realized I needed to bring on other energies that were uh, maybe more positive than me or more, um, what's the word, uh, boisterous? Like a little bit more extroverted. Yeah, like more extroverted. Just like um, I wanted to be surrounded by people who give what I lack but are still able to pour into uh, the client experience. 
So I built a team of Brittany, our makeup artist, our beauty specialist. And then we have our other counterpart, Natasha, who is like our hype woman, posing coach. Um, she just really does a good job with making everyone who comes to the space feel really, really good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Got it. So folks, um, I've been putting it out there. If you've seen my new photos, they are dope as hell. Um, it would be me in the pink hair and the very colorful, vibrant jacket and my denim. Um, my god sister, when I showed her the pictures, was like, is it even you if you're not wearing a denim jacket? And I'm like, it's not. Um, so if you if you ever if I've ever taken a picture, uh, a shoot and I ain't wear denim. I wasn't fully present because that's my thing. <laughs> and so uh, here's the team behind that photo shoot. Um, so wanting people to be able to connect the dots, even if you're looking at the graphic for this this episode of the podcast, that's the picture. And so I know that I can speak to what it's like to be on the other side of, of the team and I think um, I can't wait to get into the body uh, representation series. But before we do, just talking a little bit about taking up space, um, narratives that people have, particularly um, women identifying folk have around their body, around their face, around the whole thing. And being photographed is such a vulnerable, intimate experience. And when I think about being photographed I instantly go back to growing up and the number of women in my life will be like "Mm -mm, I don't do pictures Mm -mm, no leave me out of that picture and how much history because I've always been a picture person I have tens of thousands of photos if I'm there I'm taking pictures for me it is storytelling in another medium and I I'm a storyteller I'm a story holder and so photos mean a lot to me but they are so Many people, particularly women identifying people who the thought of having themselves captured in a still moment that they cannot alter or manipulate can be very, very, very stress inducing, uh, traumatizing and all of that. So talk a little bit about because y'all can't see, but they like nodding their heads like, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, so no. right? Yeah. It's a real thing. And yet you have m- made a mission to do just that with women while redefining what that experience is like for them. So talk to us about how all that shows up when someone comes to be photographed and they're carrying all this messaging in their mind and in their bodies. Oh, wow. Um, do you want to take the experience maybe step by step? Yeah. Kind of go from like maybe the booking process and then the kind yeah, of, kind of even, like. even from the booking process, like try to, I try to find a nice blend between making it personal, but also making it flexible. Right. Because everybody is, you know, like life be life in. Um, and then when you come into the space, like there's music, we try to have music. We try to create the space to be tailored to um, you, your personality, who you are. Like if you tell me, or you tell the team, like, I hate yellow, I'm not going to bring you into a yellow room, right? I want to make sure we're creating to the best of our ability, curating a space that you A, feel comfortable in. Cause that's first, like you can't reach anybody in that vulnerable experience if they're not comfortable um, and then also, um, it's a very women-centered space. So we encourage, you know, um, that in that space, we we keep it very 
women friendly so we can talk about anything we want to talk about we can put it all on the table um we encourage people to bring bring your bestie Mm -hmm. bring a friend if you would like bring whoever makes you feel who's going to hype you up as well but we're there to hype you up um too but it's like you said it is such a vulnerable experience and I think it's um you know I've even found myself in a place if I'm not looking the way that I think I'm I'm most presentable so there's this ideology of what is presentable and what is not presentable especially for black women like I know growing up like you do not go out of the house looking unpresentable or unkept Mm -hmm. so I feel like that also turns over into photographs you don't let someone capture you in a moment to be an embarrassment of looking unkept so we just want you know in our experience to let you know like that's this don't we don't have to bring that energy here like you are kept you are presentable just as you are and we're just gonna sprinkle some sugar on it we're gonna make it you know make it sweet and make you uh love what you see mm-hmm. what, what do you have to say friend I think from somebody who's been on both sides of the camera mm-hmm. as somebody who definitely has a bit of um camera and photo anxiety because I'm so used I think until I met you it was eight years on the other side of the camera so I have more pictures of, you know, makeup work that I've done than, you know, photos of myself. And so um, I think another thing that Christina is really good at, I think when you have your photos taken by somebody who understands what it's like to walk in your shoes, then they understand what it's like when you tell them, I don't love this angle. This is something that, this is a body part I'd like to minimize. And so when that is part of the conversation, then I think that lessens the anxiety as well, because I can go to another, you know, another woman or a femme presenting person and say, Hey, listen, I don't love my tummy. So can we work in a way that photographs me in a way where this is not the star of the show. And I think creating a space for people to be vulnerable with us in that way kind of breaks a lot of those walls down and allows us to reach people in a place um where they get a little bit more comfortable because I think we've gotten some like they maybe weren't the picture that we chose to you know edit and send out Mm -hmm. but I think we have some photos in Christina's memory card of just some really genuine smiles from people that I think you can just see the crack in in whatever whatever wall was between them and the experience and actually you just said something and it made me remember a part of the process too that I think a lot of photographers forget and that makes a huge difference is styling. Mm-hmm. If someone is not styled in a way that they feel comfortable, even if you're pushing someone out of their comfort zone, they still need to be styled in a way that is um, to their aesthetic. And if you go, if you, if you're not really vibing with your client's aesthetic and you're just putting them in what you think is going to be cute, like you're, you're deviating from the whole point of why they're there in the first place, you know? So that's a big component to um, a lot of it is styling. Mm-hmm. Thank y'all so much for sharing that. So again, before I go into my experience, a question I have too is, so I know that you work with a lot of women, um, people who identify as women, but what is, so what's the point of your photography, right? And I know there's a range. So the folks that you're working with, what is the objective they have in getting their pictures taken, right? So there's, you know, professional headshots, there's, you know, there's boudoir, there's family. So what's the focus um, or talk a little bit about what that's like? Um, So I get a lot of 
Um, when it comes to like the professional headshot side of it, it's just mostly like, I just want to make sure when I'm there, I'm I'm doing what you want. I'm showing you in the way you want to be seen, right? Because that's professionally, I don't, I, I don't know your brand as well as you do. So I'm just there to capture your brand in the way you want your brand to be seen. Um, and again, that, that takes just listening. That is the most important thing when it comes to a professional side. I don't do family photos, um, <clears throat> just because I'm not really good with children. Um, but like um, when it comes to the boudoir and the beauty and the things that are like truly um, those intimate, vulnerable experiences, um, a lot of people come in and they're like, oh, I'm doing this for my partner, my boyfriend, my husband. But at the end of it, they they forgot all about that person. They was like, oh, this was for me. This was truly for me. And I think a lot of that comes, it makes me so happy because I know for as some, I'm going to get to a point here, y'all. I live vicariously through my clients, mm. like, because I want to feel good. And if I can give people that experience of feeling good, then it makes me feel like I'm living a purpose. I love it. So for my experience, Brittany, were you going to say something? No, I think um, what Christina said was, was really perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So for my experience, I, I've been photographed. I don't know if a lot's the right word, but I feel like <laughs> enough. Um yeah. And one thing is interesting is I realize I like quote unquote photos, but photos feel necessary to me as a forward facing public figure who has a business and a brand. I change daily. That's not an exaggeration. People who know me personally would be like no Shane Lyon so we gotta keep we gotta we gotta have regular routines of keeping up because I can't possibly tell you about what's people like how's life been so I can tell you about yesterday because that was a lot <laughs> but if we don't keep like if we don't talk every month I'm gonna just say I can't catch you up because like every day I am open and committed to learning to deepening my own personal healing work into becoming the best version of myself. With that, I recognize that photographs that I took in the past, even if they were me in that moment, they no longer represent who I am and how I'm showing up in the world. And I know that if that's not your frame of reference or whatever, that might sound silly because I will say that I am not mad at my aging process it seems to have slowed down or almost stopped um (laughs) absolutely I can use pictures from when I first started my business and outside of how drastically I changed my hair you won't know that that photo is five or six years old right so I I am aging gracefully and I'm very grateful for that but for me it's beyond is that what I still look like? And it's more, does that represent who I am inside? And so how I got connected. So I'll say that, you know, particularly the photos that I have been using over the last few years, if you've seen that professional photo of me, Brittany probably did my makeup. I really realized that like, oh, Brittany been rocking with me for a long time. Um, And so like for the last several years, If I had a photo shoot, Brittany was doing my makeup, except the boudoir shoot I did because poor baby had COVID, (laughs) but she passed me off to a really awesome makeup artist, right? So 
we'll have to talk collaboration maybe if we get there too, right? Like how capitalism would have us to think everything is a competition. You got to set yourself apart. You're different. And what I loved is when she called me, I was not left stuck trying to go like, oh, now I have to find another makeup artist. She came and said, here, here's someone I trust. I got to Brittany through Brittany Hair Kitchen. Y'all got to go back to season one to hear her episode where we got real about hair. But because um, Brittany and Brittany <laughs> are in the beauty industry and they understand collaboration and partnership and building community, then there was absolutely no problem because I trusted Brittany Hair Kitchen so much. And I not just because, oh, she, you know, that's my girl. She does makeup. Brittany with the brush is not the only makeup artist that Brittany knows, but she knew me. And I trusted that Hair Kitchen knowing me was going to recommend someone who not just could do my makeup, but whose personality we I would vibe with in the whole thing, right? So collaboration is a real thing. And mm -hmm. I want to dispel this myth that, that capitalism is constantly trying to feed us that we got to be standoffish and we got to be over there and we got to, you know, keep it separate because that's, that's that it's enough folks who want to get their makeup done, okay? There's enough photo shoots going around that we ain't got to be all competitive. So it's way too much head nodding over there. I'm going to pause here to let them <laughs> say whatever they got to say before I keep talking about my experience. <laughs> oh, um, no, it's just... No, everything you're saying, like, even in um, the photography groups in the city. So you, there's also the dynamic of, like, there's, you know, there's a lot of white photographers and white people in this industry um, who don't know how to cater to our community. Um, so then you have our community, which is small. Um, so we have, and there's like some who believe in communities, some who are like just all out for it for themselves. And it's like, you have to build this community up because if I'm not available, and but I don't have someone else I can trust to deliver to this, to a person, you're maybe liable to go to somebody else who's not gonna know your needs um not gonna know your experiences or or feel like that connection with you uh for one but like yeah that's a big conversation within I feel like in the, in the industry period about this um uh, what do they call it Co competition over collaboration, uh, collaboration, over competition. collaboration over competition if I could put that on a t-shirt I think I would wear it every, literally until it fell apart yeah. I mean I so I have a competitive background in general being a violinist it's always you know I, I come from an art school so Competition was never something that I kind of shied away from. And even going from sales and beauty, I think um, that was something that was just comfortable. So when I got out into the freelance world and people were kind of like, hey, hey, lady, you're a, you're a little overly friendly over there. I didn't understand. And so I've been really, really lucky to build a community so that if I do get COVID, um, my fiance's grandmother died a couple weeks ago. I had a fully booked Saturday, you know, I had to call, you know, somebody in and, and we, and we got it, we were able to get it covered, but it's just one of those things too. I think it leans into the experience. And so when you put your value in your, um, your work and the experience that you're delivering to people, I think then your focus kind of changes a little bit. Um, and then I think it's also that, that, that notion of, you know, there's somebody for everybody. 
You know, Brittany may be a great hairstylist for you and she may not be a great hairstylist for someone else. Same way that I may be a great makeup artist for you or a great makeup artist for your headshots and not your wedding artist. It's it's one of those things where you have to kind of take yourself and your I, me out of it and really kind of believe into the into the vision of what what is it that we're trying to get to? Are we focused on this one makeup on this one day? Or are we focused on creating a community so that people have a pool to pick from that we can all do well. I mean, and just being real as a, so I'm going to speak as myself as a consumer, right? Mm -hmm. Versus a business person. <clears throat> as a consumer, there are a lot of different things I want um, done that not everybody can do. Mm -hmm. And, or uh, what is the saying? Like pick, okay, I'm going to scratch that because I don't know the saying, but um, even as a consumer, like I love, or as a shopper, like you don't just go to Target for mm -hmm. everything, right? Even though Target might always be your go-to, they might not always have everything you need. So you have to branch out to different, different retailers and, and find other people who can fill those needs. And that doesn't mean I'm never going to go to Target again. Mm -hmm. That just means I now have some more tools in my toolkit who are also catered to catering to my, um, best experience. Mm -hmm. Like, I love that. And I feel like that lends to another branch of a conversation I feel like I have often, which is I'm I, I'm going to generalize. I I'm noting that I'm generalizing, but it feels like um, a deeply rooted baby boomer value set that you get something and you stick with it right? You get the job and you retire from the job. You move into the house and that's your home, your forever home. So there, I feel like our generation was kind of given a value set that doesn't necessarily fit how we live life. And that is, oh, that person did your hair when you were 10 years old. Well, you need, well, why would you not go back to Miss Ruby? She's been doing your hair for 20 years you know her and this so I think sometimes we get stuck into this in this loyalty complex where like oh shoot you know Britney did my makeup if I go to another makeup artist and Britney sees that she's gonna be mad you know oh I and I have yet except for family photos I have yet to repeat a photographer and that is not because my, I haven't liked my photos or enjoyed them, right? As I evolve, I'm curious about other experiences that people are going to create, not because one was not good, but simply because people are different and I want to experience people differently. Um, and so I think that that is super important for us to just have that conversation. So how I got to this photo shoot was, well, there was a deal. Look, <laughs> let's be real you know I'm going through social media at the end of 2022 and you know I see this now you know I know Brittany she's done my makeup before um and I know of Christina I've seen some of her work she's also photographed Brittany hair kitchen so I remember like when I'm like, I need a photographer, her name was on a list of folks. I've seen some of the work. And then I see, I see this deal and I'm like, this is a great opportunity for me to experience this. And the makeup came with the photo session. That would, I mean, I'm like, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> and the makeup artist is Brittany with the brushes. Like what? Okay. Of course I'm going to do this. Right. But I will be honest with you. I don't know. Let's say November. 
is when this happened. I was so clear that I didn't know when I wanted to get these pictures taken. (laughs) I want the deal, but I don't, it's not, I didn't need, I didn't want my photos taken at that time because I was in the midst of my coaching program, which was so transformative. And I knew I had been saying pretty much all year, I don't know who I'm going to be at the end of this program, but I know that I'm going to be different. And so I bought it and the gentle automatic nudgings from 33 West Studios was like, hey, go and book that session, right? <laughs> it said it in a different language, but it was like, uh, hey, can you get on the books, please? <laughs> so I remember picking an arbitrary date. I really did. I was just like, end of March, the 31st is a Friday. That's it. I had no idea who I would be on March 31st. I'm sharing that because some of us get real stuck thinking we got to have all the answers in a moment instead of really just leaning into the moment it'll get it'll it'll be there, right? So people are like, I probably should do some photos. I probably do need a new headset, but because you don't know, but I'm thinking about starting that business and I don't know what the name's going to just book the session. Right? Mm-hmm. Book it out a little bit. You don't have to have all of the answers. You don't have to know what you're going to wear. You just get it on the books, right? There is something, there is a confidence or an anxiety and maybe a mix of both. Don't get me wrong. But once it's there, it's a commitment to self that you now can go like, okay, I that thing is there. And so when I finally booked it, um, again, no idea, finished the coaching program in January. And then it's like, this is interesting right? Okay. I have an idea of how I've emerged out of this transformational process, but then I'll also go to having relationships. Scratch that. You need a village. (laughs) And this, 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 I'm not saying that optionally. I know sometimes I'm not one. I don't tell people what to do. You need a village. Mm -hmm. Whoever you are, you need a village. And that village needs to be comprised of a whole lot of different people who are going to feed into you. So in addition to my therapist and my coach and my spiritual director and my Reiki practitioner and my massage therapist, Brittany Hair Kitchen is part of my village because she all up in my crown chakra, right? But the relationships that I have with these folks and my nail tech, can't forget Jack, y'all. I love me some Jack. (laughs) Then we start having conversations, Okay, I recognize who I am on the other side of this transformation. Now let's get ready. I'm not trying to put a lot of emphasis on perfectionism and having to know, but what I mean by getting ready is mentally getting ready. Not how do I want to look in the photos, but how do I want to represent? How do I want how do I want my essence to be captured? And if you find that, I also think that, you know, interviewing photographers is a thing. Interviewing makeup artists is a thing, right? Mm -hmm. You don't just have to go by word of mouth or, oh, they have this really nice social media, having a conversation. And if I know that someone is just capturing what I look like, I'm not interested because I love my Samsung and the camera's pretty damn good. I can capture what I look like on my own. I can give my seven-year-old my phone and say, take my picture and get a representation of what I look like. But I'm looking for someone who can capture my essence, which means they've created an environment 
where my true essence can be shown. And so preparation also meant like having this conversation with my hairstylist to go, where, where are we going? Okay. I got a photo shoot coming up in a couple of months. So, so where are we going? And sometimes I think in previous experiences, like, oh, let me, I don't know, look on social media. Let me find a cute hairstyle. Mm. Right. But it's more of where, cause my hair is an extension of me. So where are we going? And uh, I thought we were going to purple. But we made a stop at pink and I'm like, wait, man, I like it here. <laughs> I like it here. And so all of that led up to me being like, I got this photo shoot. And this, I call this photo shoot that we recently did my coming out shoot. And I called it that because historically, I've had amazing photographers, stylists, the whole thing. But it never quite felt like me. It felt like how I thought I was supposed to be. Oh, this, we're going to probably use these for my website. So what should that look like? How how should this be? And what I appreciate is every photographer followed me where I wanted to go. So this is not an indictment on the photographers. There were just still parts of me that I was holding back. So leading up to this photo shoot, I also, I didn't want it externally styled. I wanted to pick my own style. And so the week of, I still ain't know what I was wearing. I was like, I got them red pants. I like those red pants. I should probably wear those red pants. I said I was going to wear those red pants. I had no idea. I walked into a Macy's. I don't even shop at Macy's. Like Spirit told me, go to Macy's. And I'm like, word of all the places? This is where we're going? But fine. It's, it's next to the nail shop. And then I found beautiful stuff is all I'll say on yeah. clearance. <laughs> And the result was me feeling like me. I was like, well, one outfit I wore the next day. <laughs> like, I want to be in photos that I'm going to wear the outfit. And I can't say that for previous photo shoots. They were photo shoot outfits, but they were not how I walked out in the world. They were not how I showed up in other places. And I can say that y'all going to see that jacket often because <laughs> the jacket was bomb right I wanted to share that experience because sometimes I don't know that people talk about the process people just go hey I got these pictures done and the unknown is where people can sometimes be like well how and did they ask and da 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 right so what would either of you or both of you have to say to the person who's listening to this and they are like right on the, the precipice of like think I want to get some pictures done what can you say that's going to give them that final like come on girl do it book it <laughs> other than just to book it um I will say the one thing that I always thought about was that I only have one picture of my mom pregnant and maternity is something that we do um and that's something that <clears throat> excuse me I always think about another thing that I always think about is there's an episode of sex in the city where Samantha has pictures taken, she's totally nude. And the whole conversation through the episode is, who are these pictures for? Who are these pictures for? And she keeps reiterating, they're for me. And I just thought about how dope it would be, you know, 30, 40 years from now, somebody be going through your things, you know, your shoe boxes, and they come across these photos of you captured perfectly in this moment as you are, whether that be you know, an amazing headshot, a maternity, a boudoir, whatever, whatever you looks like right now, 
And to be able to see you in a moment in time, because like you said, pictures are so important. And I think with the um, accessibility that we have to cell phones, we think that we have that documentation when really in reality that we, we don't. And so I think to have a piece of time, a snapshot of your timeline for posterity, whoever that may be, whether it be, you know, you know, children, whoever comes after you, um, I think that that's really important. Um, and I can speak on the person who doesn't like to get their photo taken um, <clears throat> at all, like ever, <laughs> uh, which is crazy, right? Um, and then not even like two years ago, I got my photos taken and I felt really good afterwards. And I didn't think I was going to enjoy the experience, even though, which was crazy because here I am telling people, come enjoy this experience. Um, that I don't even fully believe I would have enjoyed um, and <clears throat> doing it and enjoying it and like, you know, feeling like the bad, bad bitch that I am, you know, it was reaffirming. So if you're looking for a, a moment in time to reaffirm yourself, there's no time like the present. Like, don't wait for that. Don't wait for those opportunities to give to yourself because I know your kids is taken from you. I know your partner is taken from you. Everybody's taken from you. And what are you, your job, you know, career, et cetera, et cetera. What are you doing to give to yourself? Um, and I think people don't think photos, they don't look at photo shoots as a, I'm giving something to myself. Like you said earlier, they look at it as a necessity. Oh, I need some pictures of my kids. Oh, I need some pictures uh, for my business portfolio. But when I say I got those pictures taken just to kind of get them taken, there wasn't no purpose to it. I just wanted to feel cute. Um, but I left feeling more than just cute. I left feeling worthy that I can walk different mm -hmm. in life. Like I can walk around in life, like every day is a photo shoot mm. and we don't, I, I, I didn't, it's so crazy. Like I didn't believe in the power of it, but yeah. it is really powerful. It can be, it can be really powerful uh, when you allow yourself to fully uh, fall into the experience. So having that photo shoot done changed how I now give the experience. Mm -hmm. I believe in it way more than I did before. It's no longer a necessity. Um, even when people are like, I want to get this done for my partner. I'm like, no, you want to get this done for you. But I hear you. If that's your motivation, I'm not going to stop you from feeling like feeling like that's your motivation. But I'm going to tell you right now, this is not for who you think this is for. This is for you. We'll start there. Yeah. And I think it leads into the adage of like, um, when people are saving a candle or like an expensive lotion, today is the special day. Yes. Today <laughs> is the occasion. You know, yes. where you are right now, being here today today is the moment mm -hmm. so let's let's capture it let's save it and and keep it there because let me tell you if if 2020 didn't teach you nothing it should have taught you that tomorrow's not promised mm -hmm. well oh. and i hear put on that outfit mm -hmm. learn from my seven-year-old <laughs> who will put on the fancy dress the whatever just because she around the house and I look at her in the moment when I would want to be like, um, you just, you're going outside to, no girl, don't stop her. Learn from her. She is teaching you that you don't have to wait on a magical in invisible, maybe not coming moment to feel like your best self, wear the perfume, put on that outfit, go ahead and do the thing. So I, I absolutely love that. And I, I love how both of you are really the word that comes to mind is talking about empowerment. Like it's an empowering experience. And 
the first of all the compliments that I've been getting on the photos and they ain't really out there you know I haven't even used them I just shared them and like the feedback is crazy but what I really appreciate about the feedback especially from people who are my people people who know me is it's not like they're like oh that's a cute picture or that's a dope picture they're saying that's you right now like the you I'm journeying with the you I have those calls with she captured that like I I can hear I can hear you thinking in that picture <laughs> you know what I mean somebody said it looked like you about to drop a dope piece of knowledge in that one pic and I'm like well that's what Shonda does or dope piece, a dope piece of wisdom and I'm like okay I that's that's the experience I want a picture to make so people who don't know me you know and they come across the brand I'm like nah with that feeling you got when you saw that that that's real and maybe that's and I don't want to work with you which is cool <laughs> I just want you to know go with your gut because that picture right now right there is me right now mm-hmm. and it might not be in six months and that's okay too I'll just get some more done because I don't have to stay stuck in the picture that's a word I know somebody who's still using glamour shots no lie no lie And my whole thing is one, whoa, okay. (laughs) But the second thing is you're, I can, you're stuck. Mm -hmm. You're stuck in that picture, right? You still are trying to be the person you were in that picture and it's okay to grow. It's okay to outgrow your wardrobe. It's okay to outgrow your hairstyle. It's okay to outgrow your pictures. Just get more taken. So now (laughs) but I'm like let me stop because we can keep going okay I know me I want to talk about the body representation series which is so freaking dope so bam what is it well you know it's crazy because all the things we've been talking about it kind of flows really nicely into the body representation series which all started out of consumerism right I'm a consumer I was feeling really shitty about myself um, and I wanted to buy some clothes, right? The, we're getting out of quarantine. I done put on all this quarantine weight and I decided I don't want to hate myself in the process of my body changing um, because I was starting to. And I was like, well, this is not fair to me to hate myself um, just because I literally trying to survive a pandemic and you know, my body did what my body did and it's fine. It, it can change again. So I was shopping. I was like, let me buy me some cute stuff. And I got them and they were all hideous and terrible. And was like, okay, let me go to this website. So I'm scrolling and I'm like, wow, for this plus size exclusive brand, I'm not really seeing a lot of plus size bodies. Mm-hmm. I'm not really seeing a lot of variety. So why would I even know if this was cute on me? Because this woman doesn't look anything like me. She just labeled plus size on it. And I'm just automatically assuming that it's going to be cute. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the thing that just cracked the door on the series to just start photographing women and telling their stories in their bodies of what it looks like for them like what what are you walking around what when you walk around in the world like what does that look like for you like do you feel seen do you feel heard what are your experiences and so now we do the so that's what like the series really became and now we're just throwing in all the intersectionalities of body representation be it differently abled 
colorism, um, ethnicities. Uh, I mean, you name it. I I, I don't even think I realize. Yeah, body shapes. Like yeah. how much representation really affects um, our day to day lives, and how many of us are not being seen and not being heard. Yeah. Look. Okay. I'm trying to rein myself back in. Like, <laughs> this is gonna be a five hour podcast. It's not gonna be a five hour. Honestly, podcast. it's an exciting topic. I get I get excited every time we go to sit behind the microphone. It, it's so good because I want to just take it to development as humans, the brain. When we are born, 50% of our brain is developed in utero. That is our brain stem. That's our limbic system, which is going to help us uh, assess safe and unsafe But that prefrontal cortex, which is the meaning-making, narrative-forming part of our brain, begins developing after we're born for and around the environment in which we find ourselves, which is why people are so different with how they see the world and view the world, because literally, as a child, up until seven years old, the brain is exploding with trillions of neuronal networks, and the brain is taking in everything. I do mean everything. Every sense Every experience is creating a whole new groove in our brain. This is a thing. We move into adolescence and the brain is like, we got too much shit. (laughs) So let's just start getting rid of some of this stuff, right? And it's one of those, if you don't use it, you lose it kind of thing. It's purges so many neuronal networks. So when we talk about adolescents and teenagers being all the things we say negatively, they're moody, they're disorganized. They are literally losing their minds, okay? And so- what gets left are the things that get reinforced, the things that we see, the things that we hear, the things that we use. Those are the things that stay. When we understand that that is a very simplified version of how the brain develops, now we insert things like media, right? Even before social media, I can take it back to when we were younger, media. You got magazines, you got books, you have television, you have movies, right? And so as you're looking at these things, there is a clear desirability towards certain things, right? And that, and and bodies are no different. We are told explicitly what bodies are good, And that is reinforced implicitly. So if this is the good body, then you go into the store and the store is going to provide clothing that serves the good body. If you have a body that's not the quote unquote good body, which is narrow as hell, narrow, it's one body. One body is good. But there are billions of people on this planet who have all different kinds of bodies, right? So it's not that someone walked up to you and said, your body is bad. But what happened is they said, that body is good and you don't have it. So sometimes people start getting all, well, no, but no, we learn it because it's what we absorb, not necessarily what we're told. Why representation matters is because even if you see a body that resembles yours, it's like, Oh, somebody else's body exists like mine. So many people are literally walking around thinking, I'm the only person with this body. I'm the only person with this kind of body. And so 
the brain goes, hey, we're real primitive for real, for real. And we animals and to be only means we die. Mm -hmm. that, that that's literally what it means isolation means death look in the animal kingdom you see it play out we animals so what am I gonna do am I gonna die or am I gonna try to make my body like the good body yeah. well hell I'm gonna try to make my body like the good body even if it doesn't fit even if it's not culturally relevant whatever the thing is like and I'm gonna try 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 but then if I see a body that resembles my body wait a minute Oh my goodness. Now let's be real. Sometimes we might see that body and we might be putting hate on that body the same way we do our own. Right. So we go, Oh, I don't want to see that body. No, move that out the way. Just right. We have all kinds And it. Who are we? Everybody. If you listening to this, you're included. Right. This happens across the spectrum of gender. It happens in every race, every religion, every creed. It is non-discriminate. And so representation really does matter when I think about a kid as a kid I never saw my body in media and if I did she was desperate for love she was mm -hmm. loud and ghetto quote unquote she was all of these things that I was also getting the message you don't want to be that yeah. so like damn I see my body I should be happy to see my body, but that body contains all of this other stuff with it that I am being culturally and societally told I'm not supposed to be. So I'm back to going, I got to be closer to the to the good body. Right. So it's not just fluff. Like we're talking neurobiology. We're talking about all this body brain connection. And all of a sudden you all decided you want to put as much representation out there as possible. That's dope. I think one of the things <laughs> I think one of the things that we wanted to be was a counterweight. Um, we wanted to be a social media counterweight. And I think where we sit in terms of media put us in a really interesting position. Cause I think for me, uh peak puberty, peak body change, I can remember the moment that I saw Takar Brantley on television. And this is even still, I mean, even now looking back at 2023, that woman is a size six, eight. But even mm -hmm. still, you know, even still seeing a large chested and a large chested brown skinned woman, it again, I just I I felt it in my brain. My brain changed. My chemistry changed in that moment. Oh, my goodness. There was somebody else that I had in mind now. Uh, just Missy. I mean, just even thinking yeah. of, of of seeing those bodies. But even then, there's those counterweights of those negative terms. I think of that. So Raven, as much as I love Raven, Raven was always wearing something ridiculous. Like it wasn't necessarily the most flattering or the most you know body positive outfit that they could put her in so it still delivered a message that as a big woman I'm still a clown hmm. and so there were these these messages that we don't even realize get stamped into us and you know we try to blame you know whatever it is we we it is that we try to blame when really it, it like you said it's from the beginning it's it's from it's from the very very start and if um my goal was to always be the adult that I wish I had and I grew up with plenty of women who affirmed my body and, and, and that was great, but I still needed somebody out there in the world shouting back at me from, from the distance. Hey, I see you, you're here. And, and that's even coming with as many as privileges that we have. And I think so building a platform to come in and, and, and extend those hands, I think is, is lean back to that collaboration effort that, you know, even though I am a plus size 
plus size woman. I'm not a plus size dark skinned woman. I am not a plus, I'm not a, um, I'm an able-bodied woman. You know, I don't have, so, you know, be having to, you know, extend those hands. We know that that's not going to take away from, you know, what other people see. We're here now. I, I, I showed you me now it's time, you know, to bring somebody else here. Mm -hmm. And I think that was what was really important to us when we started out on this project. Yeah. And even so, for me, um, still searching for my body in mm -hmm. in the world. Like I still haven't found it even on our journey of a representation because it's still not shown in the media. You know, I don't have a big butt and then um, I have a large chest, but we don't, they don't really show that too much in the media because it's overly sexualized. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of parts of my body that are overly sexualized. And even though we live in a society that is extremely overly sexualized, for some reason, big breasts only belong on blonde, tiny women, white women. Mm -hmm. right? Um. So yeah, it's just like, what was I saying for? I'm just providing that, that image and looking out for that image. Yes. Still searching. And even in, in this journey of body representation and, I'm personally, even in the search, am enjoying the learning. Like we talk a lot about like learning when to sit down and shut up. And like even on uh, next or this weekend, we're doing something around Asian representation. And I'm looking forward to sitting down and shutting up. Mm. Because I don't know how they, you know, how they walk through the world. And I, I know what you know, maybe what the media tells me, but I'm smart enough to know that media representation isn't always true. Liars. We should always be checking our, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we should always be checking our, checking your sources and what better source than the people who actually have to walk around in those, in those bodies, in the, in that culture, in those experiences, you know. So what I'm really hearing is this is a work of humility. Sure. Body representation representing different bodies, being open to hearing other people's stories requires a humility that most of our culture lacks. Mm -hmm. Our culture is a culture of competence. So they put it on everything. You want to be culturally competent. You want to be academically competent. No, no, you're never going to check the box to say, you know, but you can't be humble enough to say, I don't know. So even a desire to say, I want to sit down and shut up because I want your voice to be heard. That's true representation. And I really appreciate that. You know, I was thinking about, so Leah Vernon um, is a fat black Muslim and she talks about it all the time, hijab wearing. I follow her. <clears throat> she is in the fashion industry or modeling industry. Yeah. And she talks very openly about um, the experiences that she has. And she's also from Detroit. So someone like I got connected. It was like, oh, she's from Detroit too. And I'm, I'm like loving it. Right. And she talks about all these things. And one of it is like there there's a spectrum for everything. Right. There's a spectrum for everything. And we like to turn spectrums into hierarchies. So spectrums exist, you know, horizontally. But our culture has taught us to make that vertical. And mm -hmm. so even when you talk about reclaiming the word fat or you talk about plus size, however you're defining it, it's like, oh, yeah, this person who's a size eight, according to that industry, is plus size. And that's not representative of someone who wears a size 32. Yeah. Who, acceptable fat. Yeah. What'd you say? Acceptable She's fat. Yeah. Acceptable. The little fats, the acceptable fats. So all of these things pop up into mind. And then Fenty. 
when I was looking for, when I was looking at lingerie, what I can say is I went and I was like, that's a roll. Like, that's a fat roll. <laughs> oh my God. That's one, two, three, four, five. Cause, <laughs> cause I, I got them and I, and, and I have been ashamed of them my whole life. They got, they got poked, they got pinched, they got talked about within my family. Oh, they're the worst. So I have spent decades trying to hide, trying to conceal, trying to minimize. So we go back to Christina's labor of love, taking up space. Well, I can take up space, but my fat rolls can't. My mm. stomach can't, my butt can't, my back can't, you know, all of these things, right? So ideally, take up space as long as you cover all that up. And it gets put under um, labels like modesty or, you know, conservative values and morals. And really, it's a silencing of the body if it's not the quote unquote good body and it's interesting to me because every culture and we can define culture very loosely not just race every culture has their own good body because I I realized when I was younger that I was never going to achieve the European good body like non-starter don't even try but there was a good body within my culture was thick when you thick you got the small way 36 24 36 only if she 5 3 Song came out, and I'm like, damn, I'm five five right now. Mm-hmm. I'm a kid, right? I already <laughs> I have I have already put my I'm I'm already not part of it. 36, 24. I'm already bigger than that. So I'm I missed the boat on the good body, even within my own, my own culture. And having a wide diversity of relationships in my village to hear some of my Southeast Asian friends talk about what it's like in their body. Here I am, right? I'm looking at them like, I mean, you pretty close to that European good body. And I'm thinking, oh, you should be glad because at least you're and they're like, Mm-mm. because we had our own good body and I wasn't it. And then you go over to these people. So that's the thing. The good body that capitalism gives us is ever moving, ever changing, ever shifting, because as long as you're striving, you'll keep buying. And and that's what capitalism is. And so as long as we're striving for something, so I absolutely love that you are dedicating so much of your effort and your labors of love to go like, representation matters. When people start to realize it matters, what are some of the aspirational hopes that you all have for the body representation series i mean it's as simple as hoping that if you um are a restauranteur and you open up a restaurant you think about your customer you think about the people who want to sit there comfortably and eat you don't glue the damn tables to the floor (laughs) you know to the wall yeah to the wall you don't buy tiny stools and then think everybody's going to come to your establishment and be comfortable um and then on a bigger scale um, when these people are creating campaigns to reach out to the masses, that you're thinking about the bodies um, or you're reaching out to us and we'll think about the bodies for you Yes. Um, to put in these campaigns to really show. Um, we had a conversation uh, last month with um, Natasha about like the inclusivity is there. Like, sure, now more brands and more places are being more size inclusive 
Um, but the representation is lacking. I mean, I just went online yesterday to buy some stuff from H&M and even in their plus size section, there was not one plus size person representing these clothing. So I'm just like hoping like, well, I hope this looks good on me because I really don't have a clue because H&M, I guess, doesn't understand what a plus size model is. I mean, they barely understand what a brown person is, mm -hmm. <laughs> but they surely do not understand what plus size is. And so, you know, that's a, a bigger dream too, but it's, it's really encompassing like the whole umbrella, like from establishments to campaigns, to consumerism, because we live in capitalism. Mm -hmm. So if I'm going to be a consumer, I want to be the smartest, best consumer I can possibly be because I don't go to work to waste my money mm -hmm. and for people to waste my time. And I don't think other people should be wasting their money or wasting their time. And that's its own form of empowerment. I think um, when we live in a um, a society and a culture that takes the value, I think, out of some of our maybe political uh, traditions or political um, whatever, I think people start to divest from that end of things. And so I think if we are teaching people how to be smart consumers, um, then maybe they're learning that there is value in your dollar. There is value in your media. You know, there's value um, in what you spend your time on. I think my hope is that we can kind of, we can provide a counter to the conversation of, um, I'm concerned about your health. I'm concerned about, you know, and all of these, all of these different uh, rewrappings of fat phobia, um, or any kind of other body body based phobias. I think that's something that we really want to come through and dispel, um, because the truth is is that you don't care. You you don't care if I stroke out right here on this floor. You'll you'll scroll on to the next to to the next tragedy. You, no, they'll be like your fat ass shouldn't have been eating that burger anyway. There you go. And when you lose weight because you've developed an eating disorder or because you have a chronic illness, then you're celebrated, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. And it continues. And I, I appreciate the, 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 again, the spectrum of your hopes and dreams for this project all the way. It's a consideration. It's helping people understand that there are so many things to consider beyond what's my logo, what's our aesthetic, what are my colors. All that is fine until you realize you are so limited in who, because the way I look at it is it becomes clear to me if you want me as a customer yeah. based on the decisions you make. So if I'm scrolling and you say this goes up to size 5X, but there's a size 2 modeling it only, you have made it clear to me that you do not want me as a customer. If I'm scrolling through and I don't see uh, a brown person with natural hair, whatever that natural is for them, you have made it clear that you don't want me as a consumer. When I walk in and there is no handicap accessibility you have made it clear that you don't want me as a customer because I have loved ones who are wheel wheelchair who use wheelchairs for accessibility needs. So you don't get to um, what's the word exclude someone else and think nope because if you're excluding them, you're also excluding me. And so the representation across so much. And I was working with an organization and we were talking about. Um, I want to come in. I want to do some. I want to do some cultural humility with y'all. This trauma work I'm doing is great. You need cultural humility work. And the question was kind of like, I made a statement like, when I, when my fat black body, woman's body, walks into a place, I need to know: Do I feel safe? 
And so the question was, well, what, how do you know? So energetically, yeah, it's that, but I'm also looking around, what have you considered? And a place that has considered being accessible for all abilities, when places have menus in more than one language or uh, signage in more than one language, when I see diversity, I go, if you've considered that, there's a possibility or a likelihood that you've considered other things. But when I walk in and realize you haven't considered any of that, then there is a large likelihood that you haven't considered any of it. And there is power in my dollar. And I am not going to spend it in a place where you have not considered that there is such, can we get it all? Absolutely not. But can you learn and grow? Last, one of my recent training series, I had a deaf woman in my training who had translators, uh, ASL translators. I feel like I learned so much how inaccessible I have been training for years. Mm. The, the timing, I learned so much. Like when you put up a new slide, can you give me a second to read it? Cause I can't both read it and watch my interpreter. Mm. Yes. Wow. You're going to show this video. I messed around and did a whole grounding that was music based. Oh, shit. you can't hear the music. She was so kind and gracious, but I learned, right? I am a better human because she was a part of that training and it, the implications weren't d- just for the deaf community. It made me think so wide. And so, oh, go ahead, Brittany. There's a, I think there's a responsibility, Shonda, that you're speaking to that um, if you're coming from a place of privilege and whatever that privilege is, whether it be colorism, able-bodied, straight size, when you have that privilege, that's when you have to make the decision of who am I going to protect? Am I going to protect just me? Great. You're doing wonderful. Am I going to try and look out for people who may not be protected? So I think, so for me, that started in beauty. I work for MAC Cosmetics. My family, I'm biracial. They they span the gamut of as far as skin tones are concerned. My cousin comes, we can't find her a shade in MAC Cosmetics, which is insane. And now we're looking, I'm being very picky. I'm looking for that perfect shade. Could we have mixed her one? Sure. So that was a sign to me, hey, you're in the wrong spot. You're in the wrong spot. And and I think it's something that as you're making those considerations, which I really appreciate. And that's something I think that we speak to on the podcast mm-hmm. is that um, if I don't see the representation all the way across, if it's beauty, if I don't, if your if your skin tones, if my darkest co- cousin can't wear your shade, I'm not buying your makeup. I'm not putting it in my kit, even if it fits my shade, even if I can get it from my clients, because that's not the point. Yep. The point is to to put all of those things forward and to put all of your values on the front of your table. And as a brand, if you're not smart enough to know that you need to just go ahead and put it on the table and say, these are my values and say it with your whole chest. I don't, I I, I can't do anything for you from a consumer aspect. Mm-hmm. And I think that the responsibility of the people in privilege is one of the, one of the conversations I think that is really important for us to have, um, especially as we, we talk about going into our next um, podcast with our Asian representation series, for sure. Yeah, Cause let's be real. We don't live in a society where these things are impossible. Mm-hmm. Right. No, we don't live in a society where you can't put up some additional signage. We don't live in a society where you can't uh, change the layout of your space so that it's more accessible to maybe people who, pregnant people, wheelchairs, like um, all of us who live in able bodies are at a privilege Mm -hmm. that we can go to most places and do most things. 
Um, and I understand that for a lot of us, if you've never seen it and you never learned, then you don't know how to do better. So if there's a series called the Body Representation Series that is here to teach you to know better, then we're no longer going to absolve you of your responsibility to do better. Mm, I'm gonna call it the Do Better Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and you're right. We don't live. We don't live in a society where cars drive themselves. Just let's let's pause. Cars drive themselves. Planes fly themselves. And and we can't make accessible seating, right? And and this underscores why true diversity and inclusion matters because I could imagine a person who sits at the intersection of multiple identities that hold privilege can feel overwhelmed by this how am I supposed to know my answer to folks when they say that is you're not but there are plenty of people who do yep you don't need to know at all but when you realize and you look around and you're only connected with people who look like you, who believe like you, who sound like you and who have had similar experiences, you're not going to know. So my capacity to understand so many of these things are because I'm talking to people who live these experiences. And for me, that is what I'm hearing as the embodiment. Well, the body representation series is an embodiment of that belief that if we listen to people when they're telling us we don't have to guess at what their experience is or what they need they will tell us and all we have to do is shut up and listen and then adjust don't just take it in as a oh that's a cool podcast oh that was very interesting it's about implication it's about implementing growing up I think it was G.I. Joe my husband says all the time and he says I'm I'm ruining his childhood right Um, knowing is half the battle Right. So he'll go around sometimes and he'll be like, and knowing is half the battle. And I say, and application is the other half. And he's like, you're ruining my childhood. I'm like, they should have did it right the first time. You can know all day. (laughs) But if you're not applying what you're learning, you know, if you don't believe people, that's part of cultural humility as well. Believe people when they tell you what their experience is, even when it's vastly different than yours. Even when you look and go, oh my God, I can't believe it. If I had your body, How many times have we thought it? How many times have we said it? I can't believe she complained. And if I had her body, I would, you know, if I had their body, I would wear that too. I got to a part where it was like, I have this body and I'm wearing a damn crop top. (laughs) Because after 40 years, I think I'm just going to, this is the body. You deserve years where I was dead set on changing the body. Nope, this is it. And I don't have to wait until the body morphs or changes in order for me to wear the thing or not wear the thing. So I absolutely love and adore you too and the commitment that you are making to using your platform to raise the voices of the underrepresented um, bodies and people who inhabit those bodies because they come with lived experiences. They come with wounds. They come with resilience. They come with wisdom. They come with a whole bunch of stuff that I'm just so eager for the world to be able to tap into since they ain't doing it on their own. Part of me too is like, well, damn, if you ain't going to do it, at least listen to the people who are. (laughs) So tell us about the podcast and where folks can tune in, uh, whether they just want to listen or whether they like, hey, I got an underrepresented body. Can I talk to you? 
Yeah. Um, we are on all the places that you can find your favorite podcast. So we are on Spotify. We are on Apple Podcasts. And we are on, there's one more in there. Amazon. Amazon. We're on Amazon Prime as well. I think Google is coming and we're on YouTube. Um, a lot of our podcasts, we have released visual, if not clips. Uh, some of them are uh, totally visual. So if you want to pop us up on the TV and watch us like a little show, you can do that too. Uh, we are on the Instagram. We're on Twitter. Are we on Twitter? No, we're on Instagram. We're on TikTok. Do people tweet? Do people, see people tweet? People tweet. I'm these Twitter streets. That's where I get on my on my hot takes. I know. I I just. This is it. No, but yeah, we're in all the places. We're on Instagram. Um, and if you do want to reach out to us, uh, we are the body representation series at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can send us an email. We take shout outs and shut ups. So if you know somebody who's out there and they're doing the things, um, definitely let us know um, if there is somebody that you would just like to shut up. We can tell them um, via proxy if you would like to tell them to shut up. So um, we are definitely taking taking submissions. We want to hear what everybody yeah. has to say for sure. And I like to cuss. So <laughs> I really like to tell people to shut up. It's we definitely can be for you, but it's a little yeah. it's a little bit more uh we'll we'll call it a PG thirteen. Yeah. We might only have one F bomb an episode. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Listen, it's it a little it's the little box we can click. You know, at the end, Jay's always like there was only one shit. I don't think we need to check the box on that, you know? <laughs> or or no, something like no, that. We were, but we were on our best behavior today. Yeah, well, I, I could tell. So when you want the when you want the spice level five, you gotta head over to the body representation series. <laughs> and you can also go to our website, um, www.thebodyrepresentationseries.com um to also check out some of the series that we have done and um the what happened? The photo accompaniment. Oh, the photos. Because another component of the series that I think um, we did not mention um, is we interview people and we photograph them because not only do we want voices to be heard, we, we want them to be seen in a fashionable way um, because I feel like a lot of times, most of us, I know myself, we don't get to see our bodies like that. We don't get to see ourselves like that. You know, we're not on campaigns and things like that. So <clears throat> We try to give that experience as a part of the series. So if you want to see it and check it out, the best way is to just go to the website, thebodyrepresentationseries.com. I love it. Ladies, I appreciate you so much for taking your time today to share with me and my listeners about your labors of love and how that has come together into a super dope collaboration and partnership that um, I really believe is going to change the way people are able to see their bodies. So thank you for your labors of love. Thank you. We hope so. Thank you so much for having us. I mean, you are somebody I would definitely put in the forefront of um, changing minds, changing, and I, and I mean that in form of like reshaping them and, and just morphing them. And, and I think you are somebody who considers everybody from top to bottom um, even just being on your website and how you refer to the state of Ohio as the formerly I mean stolen land and I and I, I have so much respect for that because that's that's that was the first time I had ever seen that and so um from from us to you for sure we are ha- more than happy to be here and you are doing more than the work for sure yes I appreciate y'all so much so y'all I knew it was gonna be dope I want to give a shout out as usual to my producer, Jay Sugg from Instant Classic Media and to Trey Angel, who provides all the music for the labors of love. I want to remind y'all I got a Patreon and I need more of y'all to sign up for that because while all of this is at no cost to you, it costs me a lot. 
um, to provide the the content on a weekly basis. It's my labor love and I love to do it. But if you benefit from it on a regular basis, I'd appreciate you checking out the Patreon. You know, I'm on all the social media outlets, even Twitter, though I never tweet. I'm glad I have a person who manages all of that. Um, if you have suggestions for content or guests, head over to my website, www.thelaborsoflove.com. Scroll all the way down on the welcome page. There's a place for you to tell me what you want to hear and who would make a good guest. And as always, if you have not yet given that five-star rating or written a review, what you waiting for? Um, I love y'all. Thanks for tuning in. And until we connect again, you all be well. <laughs>